Hey, we got uh, visitors. I think Sam mentioned that a moment ago, but welcome to Redstone Church Elizabethan. Um, Sam and I were having this uh, side conversation a moment ago, and if you were here for family meeting, you heard us briefly. There was a lot of things that we covered. This was about a month ago, but we talked about um, simple church, that we want to remain a simple church, and we try to kind of walk you through what that is. And then we said this, this statement. We said that pastoring is shepherding, and you can't shepherd people that you don't know. Um, so we don't want to be a large church. We don't want to have multiple services. We don't want to like grow, grow, grow. We have no desire to do that. And we're not saying anything against those churches that do that. We're just saying that that's not in our hearts at this time. So remain a small church. If you got more than 300 people, you can't know them. I've got a little bit of feedback. You can't really minister to them. You can't have coffee with them and hear their story. So the only reason I bring that up is this morning I'm looking and we added some chairs at the back after people came in and we had um, 14 open chairs. And there was 37 people that are a part of this church that are members of this church or regular attenders that just aren't here today for various reasons. We're kind of entering into that season right now where we can scoot back a little bit and we can add a little bit, you know, but we're bringing it to you guys just to say, hey, now's the time. We're already praying about it. We're already talking about it a lot, um, but now's the time for you to join us in prayer, and let's just think about multiplication. Jesus grows his church. We pay attention to that. I'm back, um, but as he grows his church, um, let's think about Hampton, Bluff City, South Johnson City. Where might Jesus be wanting uh, to plant another church? So that's on my heart this morning as I look out at our congregation. So we are in the book of Ephesians. We have been there for a long time. If you've been here for a while, you know that. And we said we were adding two more weeks to um, Ephesians because we wanted to be able to end it well and to, to really slow down. So let me say this. Um, Redstone Elizabeth, and sometimes we do things unconventionally because we can right? We've not done this before. So it's like, hey, why don't we pass our microphone? Or why don't we do some, some things different? This week is going to be like that. And next week will be that, like that a little bit um, as well. So there's going to be less teaching uh, today. And then there's going to be more interaction with you guys at the end. And that'll make uh, more sense as we move into it. We recognize as elders, when we go back to chapter four, that the elder's responsibility is to, if you'll remember the teaching, equip the saints for the works of ministry. Remember that? Equip the saints for the works of ministry. So one of the things that goes with that teacher, teacher in us is that you can't just cognitively give Ephesians away. And you can't just give them, oh, this is what the, the armor of God is. You know, this is what the helmet of salvation is so that you just understand it in your minds. We have to be able to apply it. We have to be able to live it out. So this is one of those application Sundays where we're going to be just a little bit vulnerable with one another as maybe a first step or a second step um, in applying the things that we've been learning. Okay, so first, a quick review. You know me, I like to review. So last week, we talked about two uh, pieces of the armor. Somebody tell me, what were they? Helmet of salvation. Very good. And sword of the spirit. So you did pay attention. That's good. Okay, with the helmet of salvation, I mentioned two parts. I said, I think that there's two parts to the helmet of salvation. I think that the first part is the adornment that's there. 
that we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God into salvation for everyone who believes, and we're not afraid to put that helmet on, and we ask the question, if your neighbors, your friends, and your coworkers heard that you were a Christian, would they say, really? Hi, I wouldn't have known that. I wouldn't have known that Evan Tyree was a Christian. Hmm, that's a surprise to me. That would be a bad thing, Evan. That would be a bad thing, right? So they should know that. It should just, it just flow out of us. Um, and then we said, of course, the protection. Where does the battle mainly take place with us as believers? It's in our minds. That's where the temptation comes. That's where the guilt comes. That's where the desire to um, you know, please men and, and, and make it look like we've got it all together comes. That's where the battle is. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. So we have to fight for that uh, battle of our mind. And then with the sword of the Spirit, um, we'll get into this in a, in, a, in a moment, but remember the sword of the Spirit um, was the proclamation, right? This was the, the rhema. That was the word that was used there, the proclamation of what Jesus has done. So when we use the sword of the Spirit, we are able to remind ourselves as we're reminding the enemy the, the transaction that took place that took care of all of our sins. And it's a powerful, powerful thing. And we said that if you don't have your sword, because this was more of a dagger, it was a shorter sword, a large knife, if you don't have your dagger when the enemy is in close proximity with you, you're going to be in trouble. You have to be able to wield your sword well. And the best way you can wield your sword is to know it and to know what Jesus um, has done. Okay, so we've talked about at the very end, I said... This is how we're ending this week, last week, and it's how I'm going to introduce next week, which, which was this understanding that really all of the armor of God is salvation itself. Um, I think, Adam, you spoke like at the end and was like, oh gosh, this is helpful for me because I always see it like as these different pieces of the armor that kind of mean different things. And we said, yes and no. I mean, there are different pieces of the armor. It's one armor, and the Lord tells us to put on each piece of the armor, but ultimately we're saying that that armor is just Christ's gospel. Okay, so we are putting on the belt of truth. I'm going to walk through this again at the end in more detail, and then you're going to practice it as well. But we're putting on the belt of truth of who Jesus is and what he has done. And as we understand this truth, that this is Jesus who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and you're going to know the truth and it shall set you free. Well, what sets us free? The fact that we're now clothed in his righteousness. This breastplate of righteousness is now what clothes us. And then what do we do with that? We fit our feet with the, the readiness that comes from going and sharing uh, this gospel of peace. And we take up the shield of faith. Faith in what? Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in what about Jesus Christ? The fact that he died and that he paid the penalty for every one of my sins. It's just got gospel written all over it. The helmet of salvation that to adorn our heads and to protect our minds and to remind ourselves of what Christ has done. And the sword of the Spirit, which speaks of this revelation of Christ's atonement for us. And we said from Genesis all the way to Revelation, the message is holy, perfect, righteous God is pursuing a relationship with sinful man. Um, so that's all gospel. Hey, Sam, can you get Theoda? Like, I'm just kidding. Babies cry. We're okay with that, right? So, but anyway, this is gospel. It's got gospel uh, written all over it. These are the weapons of our salvation, and there's one more that remains. But as we put on the full armor, we're able to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, and we're able to stand. That was the word that was used over and over and over. Stand, stand, withstand, stand. The enemies, and the word that was used was schemes. He's a schemer. 
He's a conniver, you know, and, and, and if we understand the gospel and if we can go back to the gospel, we're going to be able to stand against him. So one armor, one gospel, and it's the good news of salvation ultimately that we're putting on as we're putting on the armor of God. Okay, that's introduction. So I'm going to open up the Word of God, and we're going to read our next passage, and we're going to look at our next and our very last piece of the armor. But before I do so, let's pray together. Father, once again, we find ourselves here in the Boys and Girls Club in Elizabethan on a Sunday morning, and we are digging into the end of this book of Ephesians. Lord, I have no ability to change hearts, and neither does Sam, nor Mike, nor anyone else. Only you do. Only the truth of what you have done. Lord, we're going to open up your word, and I pray that you would help it to come alive. Lord, in this crazy season that we're in where we're thinking about money and we're thinking about parties and we're thinking about how tired we are and what we have to do this afternoon, Lord, may we really just slow down, slow down our hearts and our minds that we could hear the word of God. And Lord, as always, I pray that my words that are of me in the flesh that will creep into my sermons each week. Help them to fall to the ground quickly, and may only what is of you remain. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So turn in your worship guide, turn in your Bibles, or this is going pretty small, or look up here, and we're going to look at Ephesians 6, 17 through 20. We've gone through the whole armor. There's only one piece left, and I said at the end of last week, I believe it's this last piece the power of prayer that is the fuel for all of the rest of the armor. Here's the word of God. Let's look at it together. I'm going to back up to verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Okay, so this is um, a continuation of what he has just said. So if you go back and just look at the first part of that again, listen, he says, take up the helmet of salvation and of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And notice there's a comma, and there's just this continuation, praying at all times. Praying is the last piece of the armor, but did you see that continuation right after the helmet of salvation, uh, right after the sword of the Spirit? It's as, it's, it's as if he's saying, as you're putting on the helmet of salvation, and as you're taking up the sword of the Spirit, do that prayerfully. Do that while remaining in a state of prayer. Remind your heart, be talking to the Lord about the salvation as you're putting on the armor because that is the fuel, the fact that you're able to talk to God, which I'm going to delve into a little bit more. Today's not an in-depth teaching on prayer. When we did this at sermon prep, there was like 12 other major points that we looked at and said, ah, this is so good, we need to talk about this. We're not going to talk about any of those today. We're just not. There's going to be another season. There's going to be another day or two or three that we're really going to delve into prayer. But today, we just want to tie it in at a surface level, the fact that we're to pray, but we want to tie that into the armor of God. And he's saying here, 
to pray at all times in the Spirit. I think that Christians sometimes have a tendency to compartmentalize our prayers. Um, Maybe not all Christians, but I did and I have, and sometimes I know that we do. We pray in the morning, we read our devotions, we... um, you know, we're, we're in, you know, Old Testament minor prophets now, and then we're reading through Matthew, some of us together, and then we, we pray, right? We go to our meals, and we, we stop and say, hey, don't eat yet. We've got to pray. That food will poison you unless you pray first. It's kind of like that's the mentality that we have. You know, anytime Christians come together for a meeting, it is required that you must pray at the beginning, and you must pray at the end, and then we pray uh, before we go to bed. Right? These are just kind of the different areas that, we're, that we pray, that we automatically pray. But the Word of God here is saying that we are to pray at all times. And I said this, I know I've said it at least five times over the past year. And I know I was challenged on this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to say it because I think it, I'm, I'm right on this one. I think I can show this in the Word of God. That the glory of the God and the greatest be- of, of the gospel and the greatest benefit of the gospel is not just the fact that our sins are forgiven. And it's not just the fact that we're able to go to heaven. The whole purpose, and hear me, church, listen to this. The whole purpose of the gospel, the whole purpose of the the revelation from Genesis to Revelation is the fact that holy God pursues a relationship with sinful man, right? And the only way that we can have this relationship is that we would be declared righteous as well. That's got gospel written all over it. But because God is pursuing us, we're able to have connection with him. We're able to converse with him. And that is gospel. Having communion with holy God, that is relational and that is gospel. And because of that, we're able to pray to him and have a conversation with him at all times. It's like, you know, when I think about um, the, the, you know, the armor of God, it's like, putting a car together. I don't know. I'm not, we've got some mechanics in here, but you've got the engine and transmission. That's about all I know. You've got a chassis, I think. You've got wheels. You've got a lot of different parts, but there's this fuel that makes that car go. And that's what we're seeing here. The fact that we can have this conversation with the Lord is the fuel that makes the armor go. Okay, look back at the passage again as we get into maybe some of the more specifics. He says, praying at all times, remaining in a state of prayer. You know, continuing to talk to the Lord, not just at special segments throughout the day, but just continuing to pray to the Lord and to do so with prayer and supplication. Prayer and supplication. Is there a difference between prayer and supplication? Well, I I jumped into that in my studies and I I dug into that a little bit. And here's, here's what I found. Okay, prayer means coming to and communicating with God. And it might include making requests but not always. So we can talk to God, share with God, process with God, ask questions of God, and thank God without it necessarily leading to us asking for specific things of the Lord. Does that make sense? So prayer time can be just me, Lord, you're just amazing. Or why is this going on in my life? Or Lord, how can I help this person? or whatever. Lord, I'm just thankful. I'm just thankful for, for who you are. You know, yesterday it was just the blue sky and it was the mountains as I was walking with my, my golden retriever and I'm just like, Lord, thank you for this. You're just good. 
you're just amazing. But nowhere in that prayer time did I say, but while I've got you here, I need to ask you some questions of some requests of you. But supplication, by definition, is always, always making a request, a plea, an entreaty, or a petition of God. So you see there, you, you can pray to God without making supplication, but supplication is always asking on someone else's behalf or on your own behalf. And here's the thing, the Lord desires both of those. He desires that we simply talk to him. He desires that we struggle out loud with him in the seasons of life that we find ourselves in, that we share ideas with him, our visions and our, our hopes, that we express uh, pain and sadness with him, that we rejoice with him, but ultimately that we talk with him. But he also is very clear throughout Scripture that we make supplications as well. You have not because you ask not. He desires that we come and that we ask for specific things of him. And this is true as it relates to spiritual warfare. That's our topic of the day. That's our topic of this past you know, five weeks. We're in the middle of spiritual warfare. It's good to tell the Lord that we're hurting and that we're struggling, but it's also good to ask the Lord for relief in very specific ways and to have him, to ask him to take it from us or to enable us to persevere through it or to endure in it. If you continue with the passage, he says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. And then he says, keep alert with all perseverance. Keep alert and persevere. He's reminding us that spiritual battles are going to come. Uh, there's a great passage here in First or Second Peter. I didn't put it in my notes, but it's it's like it's this amazing passage where you know he says it's not some strange thing that's happening to you as you're the only person on the planet that's going through this. There are other believers throughout the world that are having these same sufferings, and he says, but God will restore you. You know, after a season, after you have suffered for a season, the Lord will restore you. But it wasn't immediate. In that passage, it was a, a time of perseverance that is there. That is over my pay grade. I don't fully understand why there has to be these seasons of perseverance. When Sam and I were on elder retreat, it was last year, I think, we were reading through Revelation and we were looking at the, the various churches in Revelation and we were looking at common threads, common themes throughout. And you can go look at it yourself, but every one of those churches he said that they had to persevere for a season or for a time. So perseverance um, is there. James 1, 2 through 4, you all probably know this passage. He says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. The testing of your faith uh, must finish, uh, bring you perseverance. It must finish its work before you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In other words, the Jerry translation says, you got to go through stuff and you got to go all the way through it because the Lord's trying to teach you something and show you something. And unless you see that, unless you persevere through it, you will not mature and you will not grow. And some of us, we find ourselves recycling through the same stuff over and over because we haven't learned the lesson. We haven't persevered through it well. So I think that perseverance is a part of a suffering and suffering well, even facing uh, spiritual, spiritual battles. So we do so also by keeping our eyes open 
and being alert and reminding ourselves that this really is war. We do have an enemy, a clever, evil schemer, and he means to inflict pain upon you and your family and the church. It is war. We put on the full armor of God. This isn't a game. Um, we were talking in staff meeting, I don't know, a couple months ago about sometimes, like as we've been going through these teachings over the past year, sometimes it can just feel so serious and so heavy. And it's true. I mean, the subjects that we're going through, they're, they're heavy and, and they're true. We need to have laughter. We need to have these light moments, but there's no way that you can make, bring comic relief to the armor of God when the enemy is wanting to attack you and hurt you and bring pain to you and your spouse and your kids. We must pay attention to that. These are serious moments, and this is why we are told to uh, be alert and to persevere. So when I think about what this might look like in real time, this you know, continuing to talk to the Lord, it's not just when we're driving or when we're going to bed or before and after meals. It's just a continual, continual conversation with the Lord. This has been good for me to recognize. I didn't always live my Christian life in a way that I was um, just continually in prayer. Um, but as I'm meeting with various people at the coffee company or driving down the road or on my way to a meeting or coming out of a meeting or whatever, I just find myself talking to the Lord about it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a conversation with Becca. You're just, I'm sorry, you're in the front. And I'm talking to Becca and she's like sharing her struggle. And I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to see in this conversation? Help me to not speak just to be speaking. Help me to hear well, Lord, because you're doing a work in her life. You began a good work in her. You'll bring it to completion. And But for some reason, I'm a part of this conversation, and you use people. Lord, so what is it that you want me to hear or to speak to Becca in this moment? That's a continual conversation, and I think that the Lord desires that, not just of elders and pastors. I think he desires that of all of us, to be alert, to pay attention. This is Colossians 4 you know, too, remain steadfast in prayer and watchful in it. And I've said before, your world's not my world. You've got people in your family, you've got people that are neighbors, you've got people that are coworkers, you've got people that are, you know, fellow students that I don't know or I don't walk with, but you do. And the Lord, on a daily basis, He wants you to pay attention to who happens to be in front of you at the time. Who happens to be giving, my, giving me my coffee today? Is there a word there? Is there something I need to hear? Sometimes there is, and sometimes there's not. But if you're not paying attention, you won't know, and you won't notice. And that's what he's asking us to do. So there's just some different strategies that are here. And then the other thing that I see, and I'm trying to wrap up this because I really want to get into some of the application time with you. But you see in here, making supplication for all the saints, and he says, and also for me. Make supplication for all the saints and also for me taking a little bit of liberty here with what he's saying, I think, and this just may be my analytical mind, right? So don't try to take my armor and put it on you because it may not fit you the same way. Your personality may be completely different in, you know, than mine is. But when I hear pray for all the saints and also for me, I see a systematic approach to praying there. You know, and I've, this is just, uh, don't geek, geek out on this, but like I've shared this with people before where I've been like, yeah, so let me show you my phone. Like here's my calendar. And if you'll notice every morning when you click on prayer, I've got it broken down and underlined. And this is where y'all are like, Jerry's really, really weird. But just hear me, okay? And it'll go through family members. 
It'll go through, you know, marriages that are struggling. It'll go through uh, pastors and missionaries. It'll go through people that are sick and hurting. And I've got this systematic approach, and it's praying for all of the saints. Not every saint on the planet, though that may be a broad, you know, prayer that I do pray. And God, just help all of them, you know, protect all of them, right? But it's really more specific. And as elders in this church, we've got you guys broken down into three different categories. And this past Thursday, when the three elders came together, um, we, weren't, um, we weren't administrative working on the church so much, but we spent an hour just going through and praying for every member and every regular attender of this church by name. And as we did so, we were reminded things that you were going through. I mean, Carrie Meehan fell out of a tree 30 feet and should be dead, but he's here, right? But he's in pain and he's had multiple surgeries. That comes out when you're praying for all of the saints. So there's this suggestion here that we be more systematic with our praying. And, you know, and then the second part is, as you're praying for me, as you're praying for Sam, as you're praying for Mike, as you're praying for missionaries, as you're praying for Christian leaders in general, you know how you need to pray for us above everything else? I mean, hear me. This is really, really important to me, right? Do I want you to pray for my back pain? I really do. And the weird things that happen in my head that I have to go to Duke for, absolutely. If you want to do that, that's great. But you know how you really need to pray? It's right here. Boldness. Boldness. That we will proclaim the word of God with boldness. This is my calling in life. Jesus has called me to shepherd people and to proclaim the truth of the gospel, to live for the gospel, and to be willing to die for the gospel. And I cannot be effective in doing that unless I have boldness in doing so. You know, pray for boldness. You know, pray for boldness for all of us that will make the gospel clear to people that they will see it. Because if people see and hear and understand the truth of what Jesus has done, it will change their lives. They will know the truth, and the truth will set them free. But they won't know the truth, and it won't set them free if we kind of dance around it because we're not sure what to say, and we're timid. No, bold. Look people in the eyes. Look them in the eyes. Hear me on this. Are you hearing me on this? We're all broken. We're all fallen. We're all an absolute mess. The only hope we have is the gospel. Let me explain that to you. There's a boldness that's there that when people hear that, we see them come to faith if the Lord chooses to save them. We can't save anybody. It's the gospel. It's the message of the gospel. It's the foolishness of what we preach that saves people. But as we are preaching it or teaching it or sharing it, at a minimum, we should pray it share it, deliver it with boldness. And that's one of the ways that you can pray for us. Golly, I've got a lot I could say here, but we just need to continue moving forward. Last week, we ended our teaching, as I said at the beginning of, of today, that all of this points to the gospel itself. And I think that prayer does as well. So here's one more slide. This is way too small for you guys. And, and I don't think I even put it in uh, the worship guide with filling the blanks this week. But let me just read these th you know, through to you. I just want you to hear the gospel that's here. So prayer reminds us that because of the gospel, we are able to talk to God. There was a time that only Moses could go before God. 
you know, or only the prophets could go before God. But you see in Matthew 27, and I think in the other, a couple of the other Gospels as well, that when Jesus died, there was this veil that was just torn in two in the temple that leads into the Holy of Holies. And we don't fully understand that until we go to Revelation 10, and we see that now we have access to God. May I not say that too quickly? We have access to communicate with God. Do you get that? Do you hear that? And when we're praying at all times and all occasions, just the fact that we're able to enter into his presence, uh, going back to uh, Hebrews 10 again, it says, with confidence, the fact that we are able to even do that is just a reminder that the gospel is true. That's just laced with gospel. I can talk to God, creator God, even me. Yes, you can. Not because you're worthy on your own, but because you're worthy because of what Christ has done. That's gospel. Prayer reminds us because of what he has done that we pray at all times. Why? Because his promises, and I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Prayer points to the gospel. The fact that we can pray at all times shows us that God is always with us. That's got gospel written all over it. When we pray in the Spirit, we're reminded of and comforted by these gospel truths as our prayers are sometimes, oftentimes, hopefully a lot of times, being led by the Spirit of God. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resides in Jesus' followers. I said last week, sometimes we say things too quickly in Christian circles, and then we move beyond them. I think I just did that again. So let me do it. Let me say it again, because some of us didn't hear it. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that created all that was created out of nothing, the same spirit resides in believers. That's powerful. Why? Because the gospel. Because the gospel is true. And lastly, prayers and supplications for other people. I'm praying for Sam. I'm praying for Paisley. I'm praying for Allie. I'm praying for everybody sitting on the front row, right? I'm praying for these people. It shows me that my focus is no longer just on myself, that I have a kingdom focus to me, and that's got gospel written all over it as well. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things that you need, they'll be given to you, but you focus on building the kingdom. Plenty about prayer that I don't understand, I really don't. I don't understand how the power of God is unleashed through prayer. I don't understand when Jesus says, this kind can only come out by prayer, or in another passage, this kind, it was talking about the demons, that can only come out by prayer and fasting. I don't fully understand that. I really don't. But the word of God declares them to be so, and that's enough for me, right? We have to be praying people. We can't put on all of the other pieces of the armor of God and not do so prayerfully, because it's the prayer that fuels this armor. I've got a couple more quick thoughts and then we're wrapping up armor of God into a bow. That's a Christmas theme there, right? And then we're going to do a little bit of practice time. Um, 
Next week, we're going to summarize all of Ephesians, and I can't wait. It's going to be good, I promise you. Not because of my delivery, but because we're going to go back and look at these great truths uh, through the book of Ephesians. But right now, I want us to finish up our time in the armor of God. So the first kind of a, a quick takeaway is, there is a day of evil. It speaks of a day of evil, and it does it with very assumptive language. There will be an evil day for you. If you are following Jesus, there will be an evil day for you. And if you go back and you look at, just as an example, go look at the book of Job. Sometimes that evil day will include tragedy, temptation, conflict, conflict with friends or family members, physical ailment, accusations, guilt from your past, and so on and so forth. These are the kinds of evil days that will come upon us. And when the evil day comes is assumptive, and when it does, we must put on the armor of God. That's the first kind of reminder for us with the armor of God. The second is that he says that we are to stand we are not to retreat. When we went through the shield of faith, we said sometimes we, we get behind that shield. Sometimes all of the shields come together and they protect us. But they do that as we continue to move forward because Jesus says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We are to storm the gates of hell. Christians, we cannot be cowards. We cannot be afraid. We cannot be afraid of death. We cannot be afraid of pain. And sometimes we are. Sometimes we're just the biggest wimps on the planet. And it should not be the case. We should be bold. We should be loving. We should be kind. We should be other-centered. But we should be moving forward and advancing the kingdom of God and to take a stand against whatever he comes against us with. Frankie Bailey, came, I was trying to think of this conversation. Frankie Bailey came to me last week. And we were at the coffee company, and she said, you know what, I've got a thought on last week's sermon. She said, really, there are times that my different pieces of the armor may not be strong, and that's why we need the body of Christ around us, don't we? And I was like, you're right. There's times that my shield of faith is pretty weak. You think about Jesus, and I brought this up like three weeks ago, I think. You think about Jesus and the paralytic. You know, there was this paralytic, and he couldn't move. He was incapable of doing anything. His four friends picked him up, they climbed up on a roof, and they dropped him down to the Lord. And the Lord said it was because of their faith that he was healed. Not because of his faith. Sometimes I don't have faith. Sometimes I'm just in a bad place. I thought that was a good takeaway. That was a good catch, you know, for, for us. But we are to stand. We are not to retreat. And this is why the body of Christ needs each other. Because sometimes I might have to look at you and say, I'm hurting. I'm in pain. I'm really, really struggling right now. Pray me through this. Pray me through this season. And you need to say, I'll do that. I'll be faithful to do so. And then the last reminder for us, it is the full armor that we put on. And it all points to the gospel. And I'm going to show you how it does so in just one moment. Here's our passage one more time as we close out our time on prayer. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints 
and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim, to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. I have to, I have to share it. And if I'm going to share it, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. We hear the gospel's great, Jesus died for our sins, and what does that even mean? What do you mean he died for my sins? How, I don't even understand the gospel. I can't understand the gospel unless I understand how broken and simple that we are. I have to be willing to boldly remind people that we've rebelled against God. The word of God says that we're at enmity with him and walk them through the true gospel before they'll ever fully understand it. Okay, we've gone through every piece of the armor. Here's what I want to do. We don't have a lot of time today. We're only going to sing one song at the end today so that we can give us a little bit of space. But here's what I want to do. We got a microphone. Who's got it? Mike? No? You got it? Okay. In a moment, I'm going to ask if there's anyone in this church who wants to just practice putting on the armor of God. It may not be perfect. There's probably other verses that you'll forget. You may stumble through it. But this is Redstone Church Elizabeth and people. This is what we do. It's awkward sometimes, but we're trying to grow when we're trying to learn and we're trying to understand these truths. So as we're thinking about this armor of God, which is the gospel, I end last week kind of walking you through this, okay? I have any of this in my notes, so this is just, you know, kind of thinking it through and the way that I pray to the Lord on a regular basis, and man, I've been putting on this armor. This has been my best time in prayer. So we understand that when we put on the full armor of God, and hear me, okay, so when I'm saying we're going to practice it, this is kind of what I'm talking about, but it may sound different for you than it, than it sounds for me, okay? We're taking up the belt of truth to hold it all together. This is the first part of the armor, right? What is the truth? Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. It's the fact that we are broken, we are helpless, and because Jesus loves us, he has pursued us, Okay, and we are able to take that truth and put it around us that Jesus has died for us and that he has given himself for us. That holds everything together. It's not separate from every other piece. It is the gospel that we're putting on. Do you hear that? Okay, so it's the truth of what Jesus has done. Okay, and then what happens next? I put on the breastplate of righteousness, not having a righteousness of my own, but a righteousness that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. He who had no sin became sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's because of the truth of the gospel and what Jesus has done. I am, I may not always feel like it, and I may not always act like it, but I am righteous before holy, holy God. I am clothing myself with that truth, and it doesn't matter what the enemy comes against me with, because it's just going to bounce off of that, because I am righteous because of Christ. What do I do with that? I fit my feet with the readiness. I need to be willing to go and to share that truth with other people. I have to. I can't remain silent. If I'm remaining silent, then I must not believe it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And as I'm putting on this armor, I'm saying, oh God, help me to be bold in declaring these things. You are the truth. You did die. It is your righteousness that I have. Help me to be ready to put it on. And then I take up the shield of faith, which will quench all the fiery arrows of the evil one. Shield of faith in what? 
in the gospel truth, the fact that you love me, that you gave yourself for me. Lord, my faith is in you. You'll never leave me and you'll never forsake me. I believe that truth. I believe it so much that I'm not afraid to let other people know it, so I'm going to put on this helmet of salvation to adorn my head. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel today or this week, oh God. You are my Lord, and I'm not afraid to let people know that. But Lord, my mind, sometimes my mind is where the battle comes. Help me to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of my mind, because I know that the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace, and you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Oh God, may I trust in your gospel in this moment. Do you see that? Are you understanding all these things? I mean, this is the armor of God. What am I forgetting? What's after the helmet of salvation? The sword of the Spirit. And these, these things that I'm reminding myself of right now, they're coming from your word. I'm not conjuring these things up on my own. I'm quoting your truth. You said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Oh God, it is your word that is God-breathed. And I believe that you have given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Help me to memorize and understand the word of God. Because the word of God is proclaiming one truth which is that I am broken and sinful and that Jesus is taking care of that and you've died for me. God, I take up the sword of the Spirit. And the fact that I'm even having this conversation with you and that you're hearing me shows me that the gospel is true. That's a powerful way to start your prayer day, people. And I find myself just walking around and putting on the armor of God and talking to the Lord. And when I do so, I feel like I'm ready. The pain may still be there. The struggle, the relational, you know, components, that, you know, everything else that we go through in life, it doesn't just magically go away because we pray that. But we are grounded in and reminded of what the gospel is, and that's what he's asking us to do. It's not, there's this piece of the armor, and then there's this piece of the armor, and there's this piece of the armor. It all fits together. One armor. If nothing else, that's the greatest thing that I've learned as I've gone through this study.